our word. I wanted, to, I wanted this morning to be all about freedom, and there is going to be a part of here about freedom. Praise the Lord. I love uh, July 4th weekend. I told the worship team that this is Freedom Weekend. Freedom Weekend, amen? Uh, and, and, and if you're a Christian in the Lord, it ain't just a Freedom Weekend. You got freedom for all eternity because God has given you a new life, amen? And so, yes, we celebrate freedom in our country, but also more do I have freedom in the Lord Jesus Christ, Amen. But I was praying to God, I was like, Lord, give me something, give me something, man, I, I wanted to like say a sermon like the, sh the shot heard around the world or something. I was like, come on, God, give me something like that. But, but the Lord's been putting this word on my heart this morning, and uh, I, I feel like we really need to say it because there is a famine for the word, and today I want to preach the word. So if you want to turn with me in your Bibles, go ahead and get ready. We're going to be in the book of Genesis will be our main scripture. In the book of Genesis, and we'll be in chapter 24. And we're going to start in verse 50 there. Genesis chapter 24, and we're going to start in verse 50. Two verses here in this passage of Scripture that I really want us to focus on. There is a response, an answer in this Scripture that really shows the heart of these two guys here. And I really think this should be a heart of our faith when it comes to the Word of God. Again, I'm going to be reading in Genesis 24, starting in verse 50. Thank you, my brother. The scripture says this, Then Laban and Bethuel answered and said, The thing comes from the Lord. We cannot speak to you, either bad or good. Here is Rebekah before you. Take her and go, and let her be your master's son's wife, as the Lord has spoken. Now we're gonna I'm gonna read this response to you over and over again, but let me put you in perspective right now of what's going on in this story. In this story we have uh, Abraham who, as you remember, he was given the promise that from him there would be many nations that his descendants would be like the like the stars of the sky, pretty much just going on and on forever. And he was blessed, him and his wife Sarah, blessed in their old age with his son Isaac. And Isaac, um, first off, if you want to talk about obedience to the word, Abraham has to be one of the best examples of obedience because as we know the story that he, even when God had uh, tested his faith, told him to kill his son Isaac that he had prayed for and longed for so long that he was going to do it. I mean, that's, that's some obedience. But now we get to this point where he is on the hunt for a wife for Isaac. He's uh, needing to find a wife for Isaac so that this blessing that the Lord has promised, that his descendants would be many nations, that he's got to do this the right way. And if you really study Abraham, first off, Abraham obeys God in the what, the who, and the where. Okay, And so in this situation, he sends uh, Isaac, because he didn't want where they were, they didn't, he didn't want Isaac to marry one of the local girls, one of the Canaanites. He wanted to make sure that he got someone from his homeland. Okay? So he was respecting God even in the where. And so he sends, Abraham sends this servant. He sends this servant uh, back to his homeland. And this servant, uh, if you read right before these scriptures, this servant um, asks God to say, Lord, I'm going to set, I'm going to set right out this well that's you know, right, right at the edge of the city, you know, outside the city. I'm going to set at this well. And Lord, if you would, the woman who comes to this well when I ask for a drink of water, that she would give me a drink and that 
by that I would know this is, this is the woman I need to take back with me and, and she's going to be Isaac's wife. All right? So that's where we're at in our story. So the servant is by the well and here comes Rebecca. And Rebecca, boy, we could totally, you know, we could teach a, a big sermon on Rebecca because Rebecca has a heart of gold here. We don't hear much from her or much about her, but we're at this well and... Um, this, this servant asks for a drink, and Rebecca, love her heart, gives the man a drink and also gives his camels a drink. And then when he asks about where to live, he's like, you know what? We got a place for you. We'll take you back. You can stay in my father's house. Like, she gave him a drink. She gave his camels a drink and gave him a place to stay. You know what I'm saying? Like, Christians, when we see a need, we need to act immediately like that. If somebody asks for something, you give them a drink, you know what? Give their whole family a drink, give them a place to stay, too. That's how we need to be as Christians. But that's a whole, that's a whole nother sermon. But Rebecca, bless her heart, she comes out to this well, and she gives this servant a drink, gives his camels a drink, offers a place to stay, too. Um, and now, uh, here comes uh, Laban as well, and we're going to get to Laban and Bethuel because this is where we get to who responded in this scripture. Laban is Rebecca's brother. Bethuel is Rebecca's father, and um, just through this whole thing, they come back to their house. They're in the house of Bethuel, and Laban, who's Rebecca's brother, and, and Rebecca, and this servant begins to tell Bethuel and Laban all about what the Lord has done just now. Tells them all about, hey, I prayed that the Lord would send somebody to this well and they would give me a drink. And here came Rebecca. She, she gave me a drink and, and, and dr gave a drink to my camels. And now I'm here in your house. You're going to give me a place to stay. He's sharing the goodness of God at their house. And then he says, listen, the reason why I'm here <laughs> is, to, is so that my master's son's wife, Isaac, he, he's, he can find a wife. And so he's asking Bethuel and Laban to basically take and bring their daughter, their sister, out of home and come back and marry Isaac. Now, I want to give you a story when I was a boy. Because, bless my brother-in-law's heart, um, if you know my family, we are... Uh, some hillbilly West Virginias, you know what I'm saying? And uh, we live way back. We lived way back in the country, and I was, you know, hunting squirrels and and deer by the age of six, type of thing, you know. And this this poor fellow, my now brother-in-law, he came to the house, and my family is full of just short, stocky men, and this guy is like six foot tall and 130 pounds, okay? It's just like this real skinny fella, really nice guy. His name's Brad. Bless his heart. We love him today, okay? We love him. But his first time coming to uh, our house, uh, my dad really set us up, okay? Um, he somehow got me and my brother, he gave, gave us a chore of cleaning our shotguns. At the same time, Brad was going to come over, all right? <laughs> So, and just as we were living back in the middle of the country, if it, wasn't for, if it wasn't for church and school, me and my brother wouldn't have wore a shirt from age 10 to 18, all right? So, so here we are at our house, just in our blue jeans, no shirt on, and we're cleaning our shotguns, okay? And then here comes this tall, skinny boy to the front door, and uh, apparently he's going to take our sister out on a date for the first time. <laughs> 
And so I open up the door, and I'm about 12. My brother's 16 at the time, and uh, my sister, she's 18. And uh, I, I open up the door, and I'm like, who are you? And it's sitting there with my shotgun <laughs> at my hip. All right, and so first off, I'm just thinking what, what's going through Brad's mind. He's like, what in the world? I'm surprised he even got any words out. But, <laughs> but, but he's like, I'm, I'm here to pick up, pick up Summer, go out on a date. And me and my brother at the same time looked back and said, well, that's our sister. <laughs> and, and, and in our mind, that's us translating to who you think you are. We're, we're protective of our sister. And, and I, I want that to be a scenario because that happened to me. But I, that way I can kind of get a taste of what was happening in this story. The servant comes into the house and says, hey, I want to bring Rebecca back with me so that she can marry Isaac. And her brother, Laban, and her father, Bethuel, is there, and, and I expected their response to be, uh, that's our daughter, that's our sister. You know, here's my shotgun, what are you talking about? But instead, we see a response here that is so revelating to our heart about the Word of God and what we need to do, even when things are so precious to our heart, even when things are so hard, to let go sometimes or, or, or hard because it goes against what we like or what we want, but yet it's the word of the Lord. And so they get to this response in verse 50. It says, Then Laban and Bethuel answered and said, The thing comes from the Lord. We cannot speak to you either bad or good. Here is Rebekah before you. Take her and go and let her be your master's son's wife as the Lord has spoken. I love that. This thing comes from the Lord. We can't say neither bad nor good. Can I put a little bit of hillbilly language on it? Cassie, I loved what you were saying earlier, the laundry soap. That's, that's hillbilly language. That's a.k.a. detergent. All right, so let me, let, me give you, let me give you like a hillbilly language here, okay? The thing comes from the Lord. We can't say neither bad nor good. What that means is if God said it, my opinion doesn't matter, all right? If, if, I'm going to say that again. If God said it, my opinion doesn't matter anymore because the God, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords has said it and His Word stands firm. His Word is truth. And so if God said it, let it be so. Oh, come on. I can preach on that because there's a, we're, in, we're in a time of place where there's a lot of opinions going around and we need to just look back to what the Word says, not our opinions that we can form in our own hearts, not our opinions that we can turn to on a channel or we can scroll down a Facebook page, but we need to turn to the Word of God. If the thing comes from the Lord, it, it's, we can't say whether it's bad or good, but let it be done because it's the word of God it comes from the Lord it's all about who it comes from it comes from the Lord it doesn't come from us who is who's impure and imperfect but it comes from God who is pure and is holy and his word is perfect I had some scriptures, and, and he's going he's gonna to love this. My, bro, my brother-in-law, Isaac, back there, I've got like some rapid-fire scriptures for you, okay? So you got that list? Are you ready, my brother? All right, because I've got to talk about God because it, it, it's, it's who the Word comes from. And every aspect of God just kind of drills in the fact that he has the final word, that he has the final say-so. The first scripture I want him to put up there is Isaiah 40. 28. 
says, have you not known, have you not heard the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, neither faints nor is weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He's a God who's the creator of all the earth, of all the earth, and his understanding is unsearchable. Our wisdom, everything that we could do down here, all the books you could read, doesn't stand a chance. It isn't even searchable. I'm going to stop there because what do we do now? Every time we get a question, we search it on Google. We search it on Google. Let me tell you one thing. You can't go to Google and try to find out the understanding and the knowledge and the wisdom of who God is. His understanding is unsearchable. My next scripture up there, Colossians 1, 16 through 17, says, For by him all things were created that are in the earth and that are on the earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through him and for him, and he is before all things, and in him all things consist. Come on. He's the creator, and he's the owner of all things on the earth come on come on you got a question oh come on we go into the department store you got a question who do you ask you say I need to speak to the manager I need to speak to the owner they need to they need to speak to the one in charge come on church you got a question about the world you need to speak to the manager the owner the one who created it the one in charge come on as I was studying this scripture and I was thinking that God just owns everything, I began to look up one night and I seen the stars in the sky and I just imagined that's God's signature saying, this is the deed to my house. I own everything here. This is my creation. All things were created through him and are for him. Come on, he's the creator. So if we're going to listen to a word, we need to ask the creator. The one who owns everything. The next portion is Isaiah 43, 15. Oh, come on. I'm giving some rapid fire here this morning. <laughs> Isaiah 43, 15 says, I am the Lord, your holy one, the creator of Israel, your king. You see, he is the holy one. He's the holy one. Isaiah, if you back up, Isaiah 40, 25. Isaiah 40, 25 says, To whom then will you liken me, or to whom shall I be equal, says the Holy One. He is the Holy One. We listen to his word because he is the Holy One. Because there is no equal to him. That he has no rival. That he has no one that can come up against him. Who can stand in his presence against him. If he is for us, who can be against us? There's no one on this earth. There's no one under the earth that could stand against the power of God. Who is like him? He has no equal. So we, so we listen to his word because he's the only one who's holy. He's the holy one. And he has no Equal. The next thing about God is found in Deuteronomy 32, verse 4. I told you I had a lot. But this one, this one, I love this one. It says, he is the rock. His work is perfect. For all his ways are justice, a God of truth, and without injustice, righteous and upright is he. He is the rock. There is not a thing about him. You can't find one flaw with God. He is perfect. 
If we had, if we had each one of us standing in front of you, we couldn't say this. We have flaws. We're imperfect. We, are, we, we, we have injustices about us. But our God, everything that he does, his work is perfect. There's no blemish on his record. He's perfect. And so when you look at God's word, he's perfect and you can trust it. You can take it to the bank, so to speak. You can trust in the Lord. You can trust his word. He's perfect. He's not going to, his word is not going to fade away. It's not going to uh, pull you down. It's not going to lie to you. His word is truth. His ways, his work are perfect. The next thing about God is found in Psalm 145, verse 9. It says, The Lord is good to all, and His tender mercies are over all His works. The Lord is merciful. Go on now to Psalm 7, 8, because it goes hand in hand. Psalm 7, 8 says, The Lord shall judge the peoples. Judge me, O Lord, according to my righteousness and according to my integrity within me. The Lord is the righteous judge he is the righteous judge no one can say what is bad or what is good because he is the righteous judge from the beginning in Genesis as he created everything he said this is good this is good this is good and he got the man he said this is very good he's the one who tells whether something's bad or whether something is good so we as a people should not try to stand in his place as the righteous judge and say what is bad and what is good. Can I put it into like a literal practical sense for you? That's the, thing, that's the same thing as us going down to the jailhouse, grabbing one of the criminals, putting a robe on him, and putting him in the courthouse and say, you judge this, go ahead. But yet, that's the same thing that's going on is a world out there who's corrupted and, and got sin in their life and tried to take the place of the righteous judge and puts on the robe and stands in front and tries to say what is right and what is wrong. And what comes from that is the truth begins to be subjective and it chaos starts going on in the world. But we've got to get back to absolute truth. And the absolute truth comes from the righteous judge. And sinners can't take his place. Sinners can't put on his robe. He is the righteous, the righteous judge. The righteous judge. The last scripture I have for uh, to talk about God um, is in Revelation 19, 11 through 6. And this is kind of a longer, longer one here. But this picture right here shows so much of the authority that's in Christ Jesus and in our Lord God. I love this scripture. But if you really want to bank on God's word, I want you to see his authority in these scriptures. It says, I, Now I saw heaven opened, and behold... A white horse, and he who sat on him was called faithful and true. And in his righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes were like a flame of fire. And on his head were many crowns. And he had a name written that no one knew except himself. He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood. Come on, nobody can put on his robe. He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood. And his name is called the Word of God. And the armies in heaven clothed in fine linen, white 
and clean, followed him out with on white horses. Now on his mouth goes a sharp sword, that with it he should strike the nations, and he himself will rule them with a rod and iron. He himself treads the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. And he has on his robe and on his thigh a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. You want to get a picture? Yeah, come on. Let's celebrate God's word this morning. You want to get a picture of his almighty authority above all the earth, of everything around us. You look at that scripture and you see your king of kings and lord of lords sitting on a white horse with fire in his eyes and many crowns and a name on his thigh that no one knows but himself. You see that picture of our king and you know that he's got all the authority. Don't you let any don't let anything come into your mind that goes against his word cuz that's our king that's our god so don't you don't nothing can stand against him so do you see what I'm saying when it comes to the word of god he's the only one who who's the holy one he's the creator he has all authority he has no flaws he is without error so when it comes to his word let it be so we can't say whether it's bad or good, but let it be so. Church, I want to I want to get to your heart on this now. I want I want I want the word to pierce your heart this morning because what I want you to see is that we are living in a time that is just like the days of Noah where there's like perversion and things coming against the word of God. And so here's what I want to mention first off to the Christians Christians begin to preach the word, begin to preach the truth, begin to witness, but not just witness, but share the gospel, tell them about the truth of the word, arm yourself with the scriptures, know the word, know the word of God. So when you get in those places and there's things that's coming up against his word, you know how to fight it, you know the scriptures to say, you know, you know who the truth comes from. There was a, there was a uh, preacher that, um, when I was first called to preach, I love what he told me, and uh, it was an advice that was given to me when I was 17 years old. This guy who's about 88, 80, 87, somewhere in there, he came, he come up to me, and I asked him about any advice, I asked him for anything, to, you know, pointers to help out with, and he, and he said to me three words, and they've stuck with me so much, you can find them in 2 Timothy. But he said to me three words. He looked at me and he said, preach the word. Preach the word. There's so much in there, but preach the word. Church, we need to preach the word. We don't need to preach our wisdom. We don't need to keep the word quiet, but yet we need to preach the word. God's word is true and it is faithful. And I will tell you, there's so much going on in our country that we need to be prepared to talk and to minister, be prepared to preach the word because I'm telling you, there's so many things that are God's ways that our culture has become countering to God's word and his ways. And we need to, we need to step in and tell them the truth. 
We just seen, we just seen how God will shake things up, even the law that was there for five decades. But yet through prayer and what God's word says about life, we've seen that law bend. Come on, come on. So when it comes to those things, know the scriptures. When it comes to those things like abortion, know the scriptures. Psalm 139 tells me that I am fearfully and wonderfully made. It says that you formed my inward parts. You covered me in the womb, God. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I will praise you. Jeremiah 1.5 says that before you were even formed in the womb, I knew you, that the Lord sanctified you, that called you to be a prophet to the nation. Those scriptures, you need to arm yourself. Come on, I'm just going to go on a roll right now. Is it okay that I just don't leave stones unturned this morning. Can I just not leave any stones unturned? Um, Nowadays, when we're getting into talking about marriage and we're talking about the different genders and and, and how it works, but let me tell you, God's word is clear. Jesus said in Matthew 25 or in Matthew 19, he talks about, have you not heard that in the beginning, God created them male and female? Oh, come on. He stopped there. There was no, <laughs> there was a period there. He created them male and female. And he said that the man would leave his, his father's house and he would be joined with his wife and the two would become one flesh. Jesus talked about it. He gave the word of what marriage should be. He gave the word what gender should be. He gave the truth. He gave the truth. In a day and age that looks at fornication and adultery and kind of just turns the other way. Tell them about the truth of the gospel. Tell them about that, that he says in Hebrews 13, he talks about how to keep marriage pure, to keep the marriage bed pure and holy. Keep that. Keep those scriptures. Arm yourself to a people who's depressed and thinks that they're worthless. Tell them who God created them to be. Tell them that Jesus Christ died for them and loved them so much that they can leave that brokenness behind and and, and live in a new life with Jesus Christ. Bring these truths to the world. I want to give one more scripture. If you can put up 1 Corinthians 6, 9. 6-9, 6-9, and I'm going to read to verse 11. This one is so true, guys, but I'm telling you, sometimes sometimes this looks at in, in, in fear or in judgment, but I'm telling you, the last few verses, I find hope in this. It says, do you not know that the unrighteousness, unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Church, don't be deceived. Neither fornicators nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. This is where I find hope. And such were some of you, but you were washed, but you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and the, and the Spirit of our God. I'm going to say that again, but you were washed, you were sanctified, and you were justified. 
So he goes through and he lists all these things. And I'm telling you, as I'm reading that list, don't you start getting things in your mind of what we're seeing on the news and what we're seeing on Facebook. And it's like that list is coming to life. But yet he ends and he says, but so were some of you. And you were washed, sanctified, and justified. Just as these people are caught up in that, we need to tell them that there is a hope. Those of you that's got a testimony of freedom, testify of that freedom. Those of you that's got a testimony of being washed, being sanctified, being justified, tell that testimony. Give that hope to the people that are lost and caught up in that list. Tell them the truth. That's what they need. They don't need someone to try to disciple them on Facebook. They need a Christian to show them love and mercy and to preach the word. In a broken world, our God is showing so much mercy, so much grace. He's given more time for the people who's caught up in those things, who's away from his word. He's given, he's being merciful, saying, listen, I've got a better life for you. You don't have to be caught up in that brokenness any longer. But the gospel of Jesus Christ is faithful and true and he's still in the saving business and I still find my hope in him and hope in him alone. We need to be a people who preaches that message. So first off, Christians in this room, preach the word. Begin to study it. Arm yourself with those scriptures. Be ready for those conversations at the break room or around your dinner table even in your home get ready for those conversations and see what the word of God has to say about it my other call out is this is as I'm going through all these things this morning that if you're caught up in any of that or as I was preaching that the Holy Spirit began to come upon you and convict your heart to say you know what I haven't been living the word to say you know what I, I've got some things maybe maybe just like Laban and Bethuel who just needed to let something go something you've been holding on to something that's precious maybe you're caught up in that sin or, or God is revealing himself to your, in his word and now you're saying wow I've, I've got some things that need to go get out of the way I've got some things that's put a veil over my face something that's separated me and God and I got to get them out of the way. I got to get them out of the way. If you're like that this morning, let today be the day where you look at that verse and you think, you know what? I've got hope in Jesus that I can come to him, ask for that forgiveness, and I can be washed. I can be sanctified and I can be justified. The gospel of Jesus Christ is not about acceptance of what we do the gospel of Jesus Christ is not about the celebration of ourselves but the gospel of Jesus Christ is about redirecting you to calling you to repentance to leaving those things behind and taking that brokenness and not just band-aiding you up but the gospel of Jesus Christ gives you a new life I want you to stand with me this morning The worship team would come.
And I want to pray right now if you bow your heads.